Hello of Slippers and Spindles listeners, this is Drew. Just wanted to let you know, we had a tiny bit of an audio snafu at the end of the podcast today. So the last two and a half minutes or so go into kind of a wonky sound, not our usual quality that we strive for. So I just wanted to be upfront about that, just apologize, let you know about that before you get there at the end, and suddenly it sounds super weird. So thank you all so much for listening, for uh, supporting the podcast, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Of Slippers and Spindles, I'm Drew. And I'm Cassie. This is a podcast all about fairy tales and fairy tale retellings. Each month we choose a different tale and discuss books, movies, and other media based on that story. In today's episode, we will wrap up our final thoughts on Cinderella and then introduce our next story, which will be The Princess and the Pea by Hans Christian Andersen. We would like to thank our patron, Olivia, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Olivia. What's new, Cassie? Well, we, you and I have been on a little bit of a break for yes. life stuff and health stuff and yes. just a bunch of different reasons, but we're back, we're refreshed, and I didn't waste my podcasting abilities during that break because uh-huh. my theater podcast launched during hey! that break. Yay, so exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. We are by the ghost light. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. It's me and my friend Ryan, and we talk about uh, Broadway news and how it impacts you in your life as well as the Broadway life in New York City. And we also touch base on like what theater stuff we are doing. Um, we've had a lot of really good discussions in our first few episodes about like the yeah. accessibility of Broadway and um, stunt mm, casting. That's an important discussion. Yeah, we we talk about lighthearted stuff, but then we also like talk about some some deeper rooted issues and things. Right, and it's been going really well. So if you like hearing me talk about theater, if Into the Woods month was like your favorite month that you've ever <laughs> heard us do on this podcast, you should check out my other podcast into the woods month i think will forever be my favorite month we did on this podcast into the woods is stuck in my head so much lately ever since i saw the show i know i keep bragging about seeing the show but ever since i saw it it's been just stuck in my head constantly to the point that i watched it again last night (laughs) literally i just sat down and into the woods to me is so it's so familiar that i forget how long it is so i can accidentally start into the woods at like 1130 at night, forgetting that it's going to take me three hours to complete. Yeah. And I think Ryan and I have managed to talk about Into the Woods in every single episode that we've recorded so far. Well, that's very It's very relevant right now. <laughs> it is very relevant. And we'll probably talk about it again when we record tomorrow because um, they have announced the final extension, that the current yes. extension is the final extension. And so, yeah, so we're going to chat about that tomorrow. We're probably going to talk about Phantom Closing. Um, Big deal. We've got a list, a running list of things to to talk about. Yeah. Um, So go check out By the Ghost Light. Yeah, we have a good time. On Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. Everywhere else. Yeah. So that's me. In my world, I've just been dealing with, you know, health stuff, which I never know to what degree to talk about on here. Because I know that people are concerned and people are invested, and I appreciate that. But I also don't want to get on here and just be like, here's all of my problems. 
<laughs> no, but I think you could give the so, bare bones and people would understand. Yeah, bare bones. Oh, we recently found some new stuff in my body that's not good. And so I did radiation for the first time, which was not fun. And so that was a big uh, reason as to why we took that hiatus because I was dealing with all of the after effects of that. And so the podcast and editing that just all needed to be put on hold for a little bit. So yeah, it's been not fun, but we're almost at a place where things are not better, but back to a place where I can start chemotherapy again, which again is not fun, but it is important. And it is the way to keep everything else regulated. So yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. And I'm really excited to be able to jump back into the podcast because as I go back into things that suck, I would like to also go back into things that bring me joy. Very well said. And hopefully we can bring some joy with today's wrap-up discussion. That's right. It is our second time wrapping up Cinderella. So if you would like to hear more in-depth discussion of Cinderella and the other Cinderella um, adaptations that we covered Two years ago, when we launched the podcast, we talked about Cinder by Marissa Meyer. We talked about Disney's Cinderella in all of its iterations. We talked about Ever After starring Drew Barrymore. What else? Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella, and a fifth one. And a fifth one. Um, Hold on. Ella Enchanted. How could I forget? Oh, my gosh. Ella Enchanted. Yes, of course. Of course. So we talked about those back in our original Cinderella month. So if you missed those... Go back and listen to them because they were a lot of fun to talk about. And we also did a wrap up then. So I'm sure that we had plenty of things to say. I should have gone back and listened to that episode, but I didn't. (laughs) So um, where do you want to start with today's wrap up? I would like to talk about modernization in terms of the Cinderella story. And the reason for this is because after we watched a Cinderella story, I decided that why not go read the four anonymous pen pal Cinderella novels that I own. I saw that you did this. You're (laughs) wild. (laughs) And all four of them are modernizations of Cinderella. Okay. Which is really interesting to me. So I would love to see someone do an anonymous pen pal Cinderella that isn't modern. That's like Mm -hmm. historical or fantasy world. And I would love to see someone do an anonymous pen pal of a fairy tale that's not Cinderella. Right. We talked about but that a little bit in Aladdin month. We did. We did. Um, in case you're curious, the four uh, anonymous pen pal Cinderella novels that I read were Cinder and Ella by Kelly Oram, Geekerella by Ashley Poston, It Started with Goodbye by Christina June, and The Real Cinderella by Yesenia Vargas. And Which was your favorite of the four? Cinder and Ella and It Started With Goodbye are tied okay. as my favorite of the two. And then it's um, Geekerella and then The Real Cinderella. And I made a TikTok about this, but Drew, if I had a nickel <laughs> for every time a modernization of Cinderella gave me a Cinderella who is a diehard fan of some kind of fictional fantasy sci-fi franchise – who gets very upset when the latest teen Hollywood heartthrob is cast as the male character in her adaptation of the beloved franchise. So she blasts him on her blog and also to her anonymous internet best friend, who is, of course, the Hollywood teenage heartthrob in question, 
and he's trying to leave behind his wild days by pretending to date his co-star. And they meet for the first time at a big fantasy convention where she is cosplaying the female character of this franchise. I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Listen, I thought you were going to say you would have four nickels. So I would not have two four isn't too bad. Two, That's still two, so a that is, lot to have it in is. common. It's a lot to have in common. That was Cinderella and that was Geekerella. But they are they are actually like very different stories. But the fundamentals of how they've adapted the story it, are very similar. But I, I was really interested looking at examples of modernization and seeing how they choose to interpret this like character of a prince and how they choose to interpret other aspects of the story. And I think it's really interesting that the target audience tends to come into play for how the prince is represented because there's another Cinderella modernization that's for adults. It's not anonymous pen pal. It's called If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy. Oh, yeah. I've read that. And I've noticed that if the book is aimed towards adult or new adult, the prince tends to be like a celebrity or, you know, somebody famous. Mm. And if it's aimed more like young adults, kind of teenagers, then he tends to be like the popular kid at school. Yeah, interesting. And so, yeah, I that's see just... That. Because I've been watching and reading so many modernizations of the story, it's gotten me really thinking about, like, when we adapt it, how do we adapt that prince character? Hmm. What do we do to bring that into a modern context? Yeah. And his last name is always, like, Kingsley or Princeton. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's something I've been thinking about. Yeah. Is this current trend in Cinderella retellings to incorporate this society of vanity, which I think is so interesting because I'm seeing it everywhere. And it's something that I would expect in like maybe a Snow White retelling, but it's something that, listen, I made a list. So Amazon Cinderella, I think is obviously a very prominent one. Mm -hmm. Cinderella is Dead, Just Ella by Margaret Peterson Haddix. A Cinderella story, I think to a certain degree. Disenchanted by Megan Morrison. Even to a degree Bound by Donna Napoli. All of these are looking at Cinderella as a character who's kind of trapped within this society. And I think it's interesting to look at, in particular, the stepmother character and the fairy godmother character in these different worlds and to ask, like, how do they buy into this world and how does this affect their relationships with Cinderella? Just something in general that I've been thinking about. There are exceptions. Cinder, obviously, Ella Enchanted, I think, doesn't really do this. Ever After doesn't really do this. But I think there's a major trend in this. I think it's one way that's easy within the context of the story Mm -hmm. to show you that Cinderella is different Different. than everyone around her, right? That she's humble and she's sweet and she's kind. And by amping up the vanity of the society around her, you can really make that difference kind of stand out. I've not seen it, but I've read a lot about Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. Mm-hmm. which I, as I said those words, I was waiting for the hardcore eye roll from Cinder- from Cassie. And I didn't quite get it, but I'll pretend I did. But I know that one really leans hard into this concept. And then another thing that I've been looking at is, and I talked about this a little bit in, I think, the Cinderella story episode. I don't know. Or I don't know. One of the previous episodes is the concept of grief. And I really think that the best Cinderella stories are stories about dealing with grief. Not all the time. There are exceptions, but 
Again, I made a list. Disenchanted, Just Ella, Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister, A Cinderella Story, Ever After, Cinder, Ella Enchanted, Bound, the 2015 film with Lily James. All of these use grief as a central theme as she is dealing with the deaths of either her mother or her father or both, depending on the way we've set things up. Ever After, I think, is an especially interesting one because it uses grief to inform not just the Cinderella character, but also the stepmother. Obviously, Rodmilla's circumstances and her relationship with Danielle are are charged with the loss of Auguste. I just think that this is something that's really interesting that I, again, would not have expected. I think it's really interesting to see when people tackle a story as frequently as they have with Cinderella. Mm. Mm -hmm. that these patterns start to emerge. Like, it's really hard to track a pattern like this for adaptations of, like, Aladdin or adaptations of... The Princess and the Bee. The Princess and the Bee. Because there just aren't as many. There's, like, maybe four or five, and that's not really enough data to kind of pull. But, like, so many people have done Cinderella. Probably too many people have done Cinderella. (laughs) Like, there's four anonymous pen pal Cinderella novels. Like... (laughs) You can start to track patterns and see patterns it's enough just slices. because there's such a large sample size. Right. And it's interesting to see what people gravitate towards in this story that is so common and universal. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's just interesting the things that pop out when you have read and discussed in depth over 10 versions of a, a single story. Now, usually we end these wrap-ups with discussions of how we would like to retell the story we have already done that so i don't know if we need to do it again except that i forgot about one the last time that we did this so i have a version of cinderella that i wrote that i can tell you about i want to hear about it the first ever multi-chapter story that i wrote and completed was called katie the beautiful which was a combination of the titles Katie Wood and Croak. This. Yes, you remember? I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. So it was based the title was based on Katie Wood and Cloak and Vasilisa the Beautiful, even though I didn't really combine the two. I was going to go back and read it and give you a full report, but I didn't have a chance to do that. The main thing that I remember was that Katie's stepmother ended up being the fairy godmother. She was like the stepmother was like manipulating circumstances. And so she disguised herself as a fairy godmother in order to get Katie to the ball to set her up with the prince. And I don't remember how, and I don't remember why, but that happened. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't good. I remember like the chapters got shorter and shorter as I was just trying to get it done, but I did complete it. And I was like 14 years old. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember reading it. Or any I'm sure of the details you did, from it. I'm sure I did too. But I remember you talking about this story. I remember that it being mm. one of our like back and forth while I was working on HEA. And then you would be working on this one and we would go back and forth on them. Yes, yes. HEA is the big It's story. my big fairy tale mashup. That's like Yes, yes. For a very, very long time, the title of this this was an awful title. It was a bad title. And I'm glad that I've changed it. But it was whatever happened to Happily Ever After. And so we shortened it to Happily Ever After or HEA for yes. ease of communication. And so now that is still how I refer to it, even though it has a new title now. The new title, I can't wrap my head around the new title. <laughs> the it's new a better title. Seeking, it's Seeking Ever After. That's the new title. Yeah. It's much better. But like in my head, that's not what the story is. <laughs> no. 
That's not, I don't know. I don't know her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else on Cinderella? I don't. I imagine that we will talk about Cinderella more in the future. Um, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And so, but I, yeah, I think for now, what's really in my head is just all of these anonymous pet bell Cinderella's. Yeah. Um, you certainly read enough of them. Yeah. And also, it's really interesting to see how we modernize other elements. I will say that Geekerella, while it's not my favorite of the four, is my favorite of how it incorporates some of the traditional Cinderella elements. So like the getaway vehicle that she uses to get back home from the fantasy convention she goes to, which is the ball, is a vegan food truck, an orange vegan food truck called the Magic Pumpkin. That's so fun. And like that to me is like, okay, this is great. And um, she was going to wear her, her, her parents were also big into the sci-fi franchise and they had like handmade cosplays for these two characters and her stepsisters stole her mother's cosplay. Oh. And then she was going to adapt her father's cosplay. And they ended up sabotaging and destroying her father's cosplay. And so, like, that was a nice little addition of, like, having her mother's dress or having the first dress that gets destroyed by the stepsisters. Right. So I do like seeing how people modernize some of those elements and make them make sense in a modern magicless context. I was going to ask you, did all four use a shoe as the shoe no did any of them use a shoe as the shoe oh that's a good question i don't know that any of them used a shoe it started with goodbye as a keychain cinder and ella is a book geekerella is i think some piece of the costume that makes sense no it might be a shoe geekerella might be a shoe it, it's again it's been a little while since i read these and i read all four yeah. of them back to back so they all were <laughs> together And I don't remember what the real Cinderella was. That's okay. Still interesting. Her cell phone. It was her cell phone in that one. Oh, okay. Well, that's cheating. (laughs) Right. You can't just take what Hillary Duff did. And I've I've been saying the title of that one wrong. Technically, it's hashtag the real Cinderella. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that is Cinderella. And now it is time to talk about our next fairy tale. This one was voted on by our patrons. And they chose The Princess and the Pea. They did. And uh, because I ha- we had relatively short notice for recording this, it was like, when do you want to record next? And it was like, let's do tonight. And I've had a day full of rehearsals and show stuff to do. I don't have notes. But honestly, okay. I've read the story. But uh, I don't. I didn't write down notes. Didn't have a chance to do that. But like, listen, this is one of the shortest fairy tales Hans Christian Andersen ever wrote. How? I feel like I feel like almost any story you can go up to somebody and be like, tell me the what you know about this fairy tale. And as long as they're a little bit familiar, they'll hit the major points. But there will be details that get left out because it's like a really quick slapdash. I feel like you tell me the main points that you know of Princess and the Pea, and that's the whole story. It is, yeah. There like, are no details. How did this come from the same man who gave who us- the Snow Queen? The Snow Queen. <laughs> Which is so long. Full novella. Yeah. But it's literally, yeah. this like this fairy tale is like a page long. I have notes, but I think my notes are as long as the fairy tale because the fairy tale, like you said, is less than a page. It is so short. It is so short. And it is, there is a prince who wants to get married, but he has to marry a real princess. And he's having trouble finding a real princess. Everyone he meets has something about her that makes her insufficient. And he comes home super bummed. Because he can't find a real princess. Right. He travels the world seeking a real princess. 
And then one night he's at home and there's a storm. And it, during the storm, there's a knock on the door and it's this girl. And she says, I'm a real princess. And the whole family is skeptical. And so the queen devises a plan. She places three peas, not one, but three below 20 mattresses and 20 feather beds. Because surely if she is a real princess, she will be able to feel the three peas beneath all of that stuffing. And then she does. She comes down to the like morning. The next morning. They're like, how'd you sleep? She's like, awfully. There was something super hard in my bed. And they're like, you're a real princess. Yep. And so she marries the prince. The three peas are placed on display in a cabinet of curiosity this is, in a museum. This is my favorite sentence <laughs> in this entire story. Because absolutely out of nowhere. Absolutely out of nowhere. The, the last paragraph of the story is... So the prince took her for his wife, for now he knew that he had a real princess, and the pea was put in the museum where it may still be seen if no one has stolen it. I read that paragraph and I was like, okay, forget everything else that has happened in the story. This is my new obsession. I need the museum. The one that I read ended with, wasn't this a lady of real delicacy, which is the worst pun. Did we read, how do we read different versions if this was written by Hans? I don't know. Mine was the one on Sir Lelou. I suppose he read it, he wrote it in a different language and this is translated. Oh yeah. So that's that's probably what it is. My last sentence is actually there. That is a true story. (laughs) I want to know what this museum is. I want to know why the peas went to the museum. I want to know why there's a likelihood that they may have been stolen. I want to know who curates this museum. I want to know what else is in here. I am so much more invested in this random museum than in anything else in this story. Listen, we just read The Grim Legacy for the patron book club. And I'm just saying there could be a connection. There definitely could. Because my favorite thing about The Grim Legacy by Polly Shulman, is this circulating repository of magical objects. Like, that's the best part of that book. It's such a cool concept. So we do have criteria for The Princess and the Pea. Our first criteria is to explain why the pea prevents the princess from sleeping, a.k.a. make it make sense. And I, I desperately need the reason to not be that princesses legitimately can feel peas beneath 20 mattresses i hope not (laughs) i i i desperately need that not to be the reason because that is some divine right to rule nonsense and i'm not here for it yeah no i i agree with you our second criteria is to explain the need for a real princess and also define like what is a real princess why does yeah. the prince need one? What does that mean? Why are all of these girls insufficient? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Give us an answer. Our third criteria is to introduce an antagonist in some way or some kind of conflict because there isn't any. No, he's like, I want a princess. I can't find one. Here's a girl who randomly shows up in the middle of a storm. And she's a princess. I would like a conflict. I would like an antagonist. I would like plot of really any kind. <laughs> And yes, then plot, please. my bonus criteria, you will win me over. Your um, adaptation will automatically jump to the front of my favorite if if you tell me anything about this museum. Right. <laughs> what, like if you spend any time at all in your adaptation, including this museum, I will love it forever. You will jump to the top. We do have four retellings that we're going to look at this month. We sure do. 
The first is kind of an unusual one. There is an animated movie from 2002. It's an American-Hungarian film that stars no one in particular that I know of, but it looks really interesting. And so we're going to do it. It's available on YouTube. And so that's going to be our first one. It's just called The Princess and the Pea. I'll make sure that there is a link to that one in the Facebook group. And then we're going to read The Princess Test by Gail Carson Levine. This is one of her uh, tales of Biddle, uh, which are her little short stories that she's done uh, touching on several different little fairy tales. So this one will be short, super easy to follow along with uh, because it's it's not very long. Yeah. It's longer than the original fairy tale, but. <laughs> what isn't? Then our third version is going to be Violet Eyes by Debbie Viggy. This is part of the Once Upon a Time series that we have covered a few books from. And I think this is our first book by Debbie Viggy, though. It is. Um, yeah. And then our final week, we are going to, of course. Of course. I already hear people like saying, what about this one? As soon as you mention Princess of the Pea, we are going to be looking at the musical Once Upon a Mattress. Yes. Um, we will specifically be watching the movie version of that musical with Tracy Ullman and Dennis O'Hare and Zoe Deschanel and Matthew Morrison and Carol Burnett. So, okay, I was sitting here like, where's Carol Burnett in this list Carol of names? Burnett, um, who also originated the role of the princess when this musical first came out in the 60s, 70s? Yeah, 60s, 70s? I don't know, something like that. We will tell you more about that in that episode because we haven't done our research for it yet. Yeah, so the version that is easily accessible to watch is this movie. I'm going to see what bootlegs exist, but I don't know that there's going to be many yeah. quality. There was a revival in the early 2000s with Sarah Jessica Parker, mm-hmm. uh, but they ha- it has not been revived since then. So this movie is what we got. Yes, that's right. And so that is Princess and the Pea Month. I think it's going to be a fun one, something a little different. Yes. If you would like to support us here on the podcast, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we do have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash slippers and spindles. You can contribute at the $1 or $3 tier and uh, you get basically the same perks for both. We would just love to see you be involved. If you're not able to support us financially, we do have a very active Facebook group where you can share your thoughts, feelings, opinions, whether or not you've seen or read any of these versions that we're going to talk about this month. We also have a marvelous Instagram page where there will be lots of behind the scenes fun facts for the fairy tale in question. And of course, you can always send us an email to of slippers and spindles at gmail.com. We just got a lovely email earlier this week that was super, super nice and sweet. And so of course, Drew and I gushed over it to each other over text. Um, and we can do that with your emails too. If you send <laughs> That's right. That's right. They really mean a lot to us. Thank you again to Olivia for sponsoring this episode. If you'd like to help us out and you can't do that financially, that's totally fine. You can leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can make sure you are subscribed and you can tell a friend about the podcast because that's the best way that people learn about new podcasts. That's how I learn about new podcasts. So thank you all so much for listening. We will see you on Wednesday. Bye, friends. Bye. Thank you.